Welcome to the Topeka First Assembly podcast. We hope this message serves as an encouragement to you. If you would like to support us financially, you can do so online at www.topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. All right, uh, this morning, uh, I am glad that you made it here with us this morning and that you're with us online as well. We wanna jump into the Word of God because the Word of God uh, is an important part of our lives. Amen? And it should be, right? Uh, There's nothing better and nothing stronger than God's Word as He speaks to us, uh, and it's important for us to be able to trust Him no matter what we face. You know, really, uh, as I said before, too, sometimes our faith is tested in trying and difficult times, uh, and it's not always easy, but it's one of those things that we can look to Him and trust Him no matter what we face. We're going to keep on going here in 1 Thessalonians, and we're going to be in chapter 2 together this morning. So chapter 2, we'll start here in verse 1 here in just a minute, but we're going to be working on this second week of 1 Thessalonians. Last week, we started talking about being a model, that you are a model, and really in some sense, that theme runs throughout this book and what we're looking at. And today, we're going to center on having a commendable life. I'll talk more about what that means, but having a commendable life. And this group of believers that the Apostle Paul and his cohort is is writing to, they were serious about their faith in Jesus Christ. They were serious about it, and uh, really we can be too. And there's some things that Paul and his team bring up in this next chapter here in 1 Thessalonians. And he, he starts this off by bringing attention to the truth that they aren't trying to trick them or to make them walk off the edge of a mountain, so to speak. Uh, so the Apostle Paul and his team, Silas and Timothy, they're not really trying to put the people in a bad situation. But ha- have you ever had the opportunity to drive on a mountain? Uh, and, you know, mountains are quite interesting uh, and uh, if you haven't been able to drive on a mountain, maybe you rode with somebody who was driving on that mountain, and maybe you have some interesting memories of what it was like as a, as a passenger, maybe on a bus or a van or in a car. I tell you what, it seems like the higher you get up in those, the scarier it is looking down. And, but uh, over the years, I've had opportunities to drive through mountain passes a lot, and through other places on mountains where it's not really a mountain pass and doesn't make you feel too comfortable. Uh, I've done that here in the U.S., as many of you have, and uh, then also overseas. But uh, one time I was moving a family member to San Diego years back, and we were driving through some very bad winter weather in January. What made us move and drive on I-40 out west in January, I do not know. But that's what we did, and I was pulling the trailer, and uh, we're going along in a little Ford Taurus uh, with the trailer behind me. Doesn't that spell trouble to you? And so we're going along on I-40, and we had stopped, and it was getting so bad that the semis were driving by us, and the slush from their wheels, because they want to keep their tires hot, they're just running hard, and that slush would cover your car, and you couldn't see. And so we're still running, and finally we get to the top of this, uh, this mountain, and then we have a big old heavy grade coming right in front of us. And if I remember right, it came down, and then you turned like that, and then you turned like that to go back down. And thankfully, there were guardrails. Doesn't always stop people, right? 
Uh, but but that, that was tough. Then there was another point in my life when I, when I was in West Africa, and I was in my Land Rover, and, and we were climbing up a mountain, and it wasn't a mountain pass. We were climbing up on the outside of that thing to get up into a plateau, which was high up in the air. And so we're driving along, and then a, then a storm hits, and it's pouring down rain, and there are not always guardrails going up that thing. And the cool thing was, is I got to meet somebody that was going the opposite way on this very narrow two-lane highway going up the mountain. And I'm like, it was bad enough for me holding onto the steering wheel and making sure that I had the, the controlling the brakes properly. But I couldn't imagine what it was like for the other people beside me. They're the passengers. They're, you know, they're, they're the ones that have to deal with me driving. Lord, help them. So we made it. We passed that car. It probably felt like we were going to come off the side of the mountain, but uh, that's just the way it is sometimes. And, uh, and uh, the, the last thing that I was going to do was to, if it was all under my ability, was to let us go off the side for them or for myself. And it's kind of the same thing with Paul. The last thing that Paul ha and his team was going to do was to trick these new believers and Thessalonica, and he simply wanted to help them to keep developing in their faith. He didn't want them to stay the same way they were when they first came to faith, but he wanted them to keep developing, keep growing, and that's just what he was looking for, and it seems that some others must have been trying to say that, that Paul's team was just simply in it for themselves, and, and, and that wasn't the case. They, they weren't. These these new believers may have felt like they were walking on the edge of a mountain. And they didn't have a guardrail. But really, the apostle was keeping it real for them. He was just saying the truth. He's just saying, this is the way it is. And, and, and so he, he had to drive his vehicle solidly, so to speak, to keep him on the road. And, and when it comes down to that, he was saying, I've been up front. I've been honest with you. And look at what he writes here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. He says, You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated uh, outrageously in Philippi. He's went through some things. And as you know, but with the help of our God, we dared to tell you the gospel or his gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. I like the way he says it in the newer version of NIV here. Then he says on verse 4, he says, On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be uh, entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please people but God who tests our hearts. Who is it that tests our hearts? It's God, right? It's God that does it. It's not a people that do it, but it's God who does it. And you know we never used flattery, nor do we put on a mask. Well, for us right now, we, sorry, we, we have to put the mask on, right? But otherwise, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else, even though as apostles of Christ we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we were like young children among you. He's like, you know what, I could have pulled rank on you guys, 
with him and Silas and Timothy, these apostles, these, these set ones, you know, apostle, even though you may not call those guys apostles, uh, Silas and Timothy, in some sense they were apostolos, it comes from, and it means sent one is what that means. And they were out ch as church planners, missionaries, and, and they had helped plant this uh, work. And so there's some things we want to look at today. And the first is our goal isn't to please people, but to please God. Number one, it's not to please people, but to please God. It's always been the most challenging part of serving Jesus Christ. Uh, it, it's keeping the balance of serving Him and following His guidance, and then, then working as well with other people around us and, and loving one another. And you can tell that the, the Apostle Paul's team had, a, uh, had to deal with all kinds of challenges and problems in his day, uh, but, but they had to make sure that they understood what God's will was and then follow God's plan. And every one of us must do the same thing. We must recognize God's will, and then we need to be able to follow His plan. And pleasing God should be paramount in your life. And it should be number one. Pleasing Him should be paramount. And here's where we have to divide things a little bit to make sure that we're on the same page because people can go way off on this. And so what we have to do is stay balanced. Some people believe that they're following God's will. They may even be praying about it, and they should be, right? That's a key thing for us as followers of Jesus. But, they aren't, but if they aren't willing to allow the Word of God to speak to them, and help them to truly follow God's plan that really puts them in a bad position. So we understand that we need both the Word of God and we need prayer working in our lives. If we drop one of those out, we're actually making a serious spiritual mistake. And it's important for us to be able to be balanced that way. So the Word keeps us balanced and it grounds us in the truth because we can depend on God's Word. We can depend on it. We have to be able to base our life on it. But prayer also keeps us empowered and connected to God in our relationship to Him. And so if you want to have a life that is commendable to God, then you really need to grow in both of these areas. If you're not, you're simply hovering over a simple uh, uh, tradition of Christianity. And that's not the place to set. That's not the place to camp. We need to be able to camp in that place where we are engaged in the Word of God and the Word of God is speaking to us. And then we're engaged in prayer with the Lord and the Lord is speaking to us. Because if we have one without the other, we're missing out on something. We have to be balanced. And if we want to be commendable, we need to walk and grow in those areas. And if we don't, we're simply just hovering over that tradition. And we want to move beyond tradition. And you and I have, have a, need that living relationship with Jesus Christ. So when, when your goal is pleasing God and not every person, it changes how you interact with others as well. So that's another part of this. Here's where you need to remember that pleasing God in this context really has to do uh, with fo not following man's tradition so much because they were dealing with some of that back in this time 
because uh, of moving from, uh, from uh, uh, the, some of the Jewish ideas and not just the Jewish scripture, we accept that, but some of the traditions that were added on top of the scripture and, and they had been challenged with that before and Paul was still dealing with those kind of things. So uh, it, it's about following God's will and God's plan, not so much those traditions. And, and we all have traditions in some sense, don't we? We have to admit that if we say we don't, we're actually not quite thinking very well. Traditions aren't always bad. But he says here in verse 3, For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure thoughts, nor or motives, sorry, nor are we trying to trick you. He's, kind of, he's likely saying this because they face so much opposition from some people who were simply stuck on old traditions. And he, he would have pleased those people if he wouldn't have told these people at Thessalonica about the gospel of Jesus Christ. He actually would have pleased them. And that wasn't the thing for him to do. He knew that. And maybe some of the opposition could have said things like this, oh, they're just trying to get a following. That's what they're doing. So traditions uh, really can have different kinds of effects on us. There's some good ones that are really good and powerful and helpful, but there's different kinds of effects. Back in 1903, uh, the Russian Tsar noticed that uh, there, was a, there was a guard posted, posted on the Kremlin grounds. They were there, and they were guarding at this particular spot. And he's like, what is the deal with this? Why, why, are the, why is this guard posted in this spot? So he got uh, doing some checking, and, and he started looking, and he found that 130 years before, Catherine the Great had posted uh, a guard at this very place because there was a, the first spring of flowers, or the, did I say that right? The first flower of spring had popped up out of that area. And, and so when that flower came up, uh, uh, Catherine the Great said, hey, we need to post a guard there so nobody tramples that thing. We can't have that happen. I guess she could have put a fence around it or something. But for 130 years, they posted a guard there in that place to protect those flowers, and they didn't even know why. They didn't know why. That, that's tradition. Uh, it, it's a simple tradition. And, you know, some traditions really die hard, and it really doesn't matter too much. And this kind doesn't really. It's harmless. But, but it probably uh, wasted the effort of that, of that military person who could have been in another capacity, probably wasted some financial uh, because of that as well. And they, they could have built a fence around it, probably cheaper. But maybe some didn't like that, and so they did it that way. I don't know. You just can't please everyone, right? You just can't do it. And here's something to remember when you strive to please God. It's going, it's going to change how you relate to people. See, sometimes we think that uh, pleasing God means that no one else will be pleased at all. And usually what that means is we're just doing our own thing and we want to do what we want to do and we don't care about what other people think. So, and that's not what we're talking about here. That's not what Paul is talking about. In fact, uh, it, it, uh, why? Because you, you have to strive to follow God's word. And uh, you want to you please God first and foremost. But look, it's about loving God, loving people, and inspiring hope, right? That's what we're about. That's what we need to continue to be about. And Paul said this over in 1 Corinthians Chapter 9, verse 22 to 23, 
And he said this. He says, to the weak I became weak to win the weak. I've become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel. And it goes on from there. But see, the thing is that the Apostle Paul balanced out his ministry in his life. And we must balance out how we relate to others and how we relate to our Heavenly Father. We need to respect one another. We need to respect those outside of our realms. We need to love people. We need to love God, and we need to serve Him. Why, why, why did he do this? Well, he wanted those people to go to heaven. He cared about them. He wanted them to go to heaven. And pleasing God means that we must not let our traditions get in our way of other people going to heaven. Our goal needs to be pleasing God first and foremost. And as we please Him, we actually become a model to the world. We actually become a blessing to others around us. We, we can become an example to others around them, or around us, and our goal needs to be pleasing Him. And so we need, there, there's a second part to this as well, and we'll look at this in these next few verses as well, and and really, it comes down to this. We, he's saying something like this. We care, and we encourage you to live a commendable life to God. Look at what Paul writes here in the second part of verse 7 and 8. He says this. He says, Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you, loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. That's, I see that as pretty cool. See that as spe pretty special there, of what he says. So Paul and Silas and Timothy, three, these three guys who are a part of this letter, uh, they have invested their lives because they love the people, and that's God's kind of love. It, it was love of a choice. It was a selfless kind of love when they gave of themselves to help them. First, they shared the gospel. They shared the gospel with them to give them the opportunity to go to heaven. Not everybody makes uh, the response to choose to head that direction, right? We know that that's the way the Bible teaches us. God's Word teaches us that way. But we want to give them that opportunity as much as we can, as many opportunities as we can. The second thing is that they shared, uh, shared their own lives with them. So they weren't just sharing the gospel. They were also so sharing their lives and trying to invest. They were caring. I'm sure they were praying for them. We know that from the passage. And they invested in them. And Paul's team gave them their own time. And they, 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 could, have used, they could have used that time for something else. But they chose not to do that. And why else would he compare the team to a nursing mother who cares for a child? Why else would he say that? She, she invests in the child and takes her time from other responsibilities to care for the, the, the child. That's just the way it is. And that's what Paul's team did for those new believers. And, and there are, some other, are, are there some others that you know in your life that you've shared the good news with and you've also shared of your life? Are there those that you can think of? I know some of you have because some of you have told me and you've talked to me about those that you've invested in 
and, and how you have invested in your neighbors and your acquaintances and those that you have some kind of a connection with and, and that you're invested in their lives, even though they may not have yet come to Jesus, they may not have yet stepped across that threshold to put their faith and their trust in Christ, you've still invested in them. You don't know how much how uh, much how much it makes me feel how much it makes me feel good to know that people are investing in others because as you invest, uh, how much more is the Lord ex- excited and glad to know that you're investing? Even you guys online too, you invest in people. Some, we invest in different ways. Maybe because we call somebody. Maybe we write a letter or email them. We text them. Whatever it is that we do, we pray for them and lift them up. That's investment. Look at what, look at what verse 9 says here in chapter 2 of Thessalonians. He says, look, uh, he says, Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. Uh, we worked night and day in order not to be hard, a, a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. See, you see, Paul's team, they, they worked pretty hard at this not to become a burden because they were a missions team at its finest. You have to understand that context there. Uh, and this team went there to start a church and they went there on their way. Uh, and they, then they went on their way and uh, to other places to serve, but they still checked on in on them now and then. And they worked night and day, he says, to keep them from being a burden as they were tent-making missionaries. They were finding other ways to, to fund themselves so that they could do what they needed to do. And most of the missionaries had, have uh, some kind of an income even today. If it's not, from, it's not usually from the people that they are reaching on the mission situation, uh, but, but it's usually from others that are helping them financially to back them up, or it is also, may also include uh, tent-making as well. But now, now Paul lays out the facts about their lifestyle that it wasn't, wasn't the lifestyle of the rich and famous with loose living. That's not the way they were living. You can see it in what he writes there. And, and that's just not how they lived. They were living right. He says in verse 10, you are witnesses. He's basically saying, you guys know how we live. I don't really have to say much. You know how we live. And he said, and so is God of how holy, righteous, and blameless we are among you who believed. doesn't mean they were perfect, but they had set their lives apart for God, and they were serving Him, and they lived well. In verse 11, he says, For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children. He goes on saying, Encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who who calls you into His kingdom and glory. So really we see that Paul moves from talking about that nursing mother to a caring father. And let me say caring father. He doesn't just say care. He doesn't just say nurse, a father. I'm going to get the words out yet. Some, at some point I hope the right ones come out in the right order. Uh, but but we, we know he's talking about a caring father, not just any old father. And the caring father is a person who can encourage, comfort, and even counsel their child, and one guy said it this way. I'm not condoning all that he said, but think about it, what he says. He says, flatter me, and I may not believe you, which, yeah, makes sense. Criticize me, and I may not like you, 
ignore me and I may not forgive you. Well, you should be forgiving anyway. But he says this last thing, encourage me and I will not forget you. That each and every one of us as followers of Jesus all have a responsibility to encourage one another while it is still day. We all have that responsibility and we must reach out to one another and each one of us may be, must be able to encourage others. What, what does this caring spiritual father do? Well, he urges these new believers to live lives worthy of God. Or as I said earlier, they can live a commendable life to God. A commendable life. Uh, you may wonder, what, what does that really mean? Well, it means that how you relate to others and how you treat others and even yourself can be praiseworthy by God. In other words, God sees how we live, how we relate to one another, whether they're inside of our, our circle of friends or if they're out, that we can treat them well. And then God says, that's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm wanting. Because if we only treat those inside of our circle of friends as, uh, as special, then something has went awry in our way of thinking. We have to recognize that we live in this world and God has placed us here for whatever amount of time He has, and we need to be able to take that time and use that for His glory and to encourage other people around us. There are going to be people who come to faith because of you personally. I hope we don't have to say that there are going to be people who turn away from faith because of us or ignore faith because of us. We aren't perfect, right? We're growing. We're each one of us, we're growing. But we should become, get to the mindset where we recognize that God has us here in this earth for a purpose. Every one of us. It's not just this person or that person. It's, it's for all of us. And so God likes it when we treat others well. It matches up with what Jesus taught us. It, it equals uh, it equals. Uh, what, what the New Testament teaches us. And just like James chapter 2, verse 17 tells us, uh, out of part of that he says, faith by itself is not if it is not accompanied by action is dead. So you can apply this truth really to so many things. Actually, in this setting, he's talking about uh, taking care of the needs of the poor. But really, you can pull that out. And even though when you, once you recognize the context there, you can apply that to many other things in your life. So the faith without works is dead. And so there's a boy that went to pick up a couple of things for his mom at the store. And he goes there and, he, and he's going in, goes inside and he gets a little bit of money from his mom and he takes care of some things, gets, gets the little grocery items he's supposed to do, get it. He heads outside with all those items and as he's outside of the store, he drops the bag by accident. And there's some others, he's young, and so the others around him come out and, and say, are you okay? Oh, we're sorry that, that this happened to you. You dropped that, the eggs broke everywhere kind of deal. And so then one guy steps up to the plate and he hands the, guy, the kid a little bit of money to help him. He's like, hey, how can we help this kid? We know that he's probably fearful of, of mom, what she's going to say. Maybe they didn't have much. And so he passed that little bit of money on. And then he looks at the others and said, how much do you care? So in other words, he, was, he recognized that uh, faith without works is dead. 
And he realized it was a practical thing. Faith and doing really is a practical thing. And Paul encouraged uh, the, this, these set of believers, and it comes down to us as well, to, to encourage them to live a life that God can celebrate. We can always find ways to live a life that's worthy. And, you know, Pastor Jody mentioned something about one day to the feed of the world. We got that coming up. And, and if, we, if we're able to meet next week, then, hey, we'll do that. If we're not, then we'll, we'll find another way to do that. Maybe it's online through online giving, and then you could mark that for one day. Uh, for one day to feed the world actually helps people in need, uh, those who, who are without food and other things in their lives. And it's one way that we can uh, affect our world. And so that, that'll be coming up. And so uh, one way or the other, we can do that. It's a small way that we can put faith into action. Yet we do have to be careful that we don't limit our actions in those ways. And I know we're all, we all ha only have so much. We can only do so much. But what we have to do is be led by the Spirit of God in our lives. Sometimes you need to be able to put boots to the ground and serve directly. Sometimes you just have to do that. That's, sometimes that's the only thing we can do is we have to find those ways to do it. And for each person, it may be different. And that's the thing. It's not the same for this person as it is for that person. Everybody has their diff, different skills and their gifts and abilities. And, and so we have to recognize just because so-and-so did this and we don't have that gift and that, uh, or that ability to be able to do that, you know, we shouldn't feel bad. We should say, praise God and move forward and say, God, what have you given me to do? And I want to do that. Look at what he says here in 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13 now. Here, verse 13 and 14, he says, And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but, a, but as it actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's, God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. And he goes on from there. But finally, we come to this today. We, we need to receive Scripture not simply as human words, but as God's Word. Not simply as human words, but as God's Word. So many people today just view God's Word as another philosophy, just another religious set of beliefs, and they don't take it to heart. They may to, to a level, but that's the nature of our society in this world that we live in now. And there are even people who attend churches around the world that do this same thing. And I look at it this way, they're either in or out. Uh, but, receive, but what we have to recognize is that we must receive the Word of God and move on with Him, growing in our faith. And sure, there are those who are kind of unsure. We understand that. There are those that may be unsure in their faith and understanding, but... But there must be a time that you drop your anchor and hold firm to the Word of God and recognize that His Word doesn't change. We need to look to Him in faith. You know, they, ha they have to, to make that choice to accept God's Word, and, and world religion teachers are always going to say that these are just human words to convey religious meaning. But it's more than that. I understand that. I, I know those courses. I know those things. But, but we have to recognize that the Scripture is God's Word to us. 
It hasn't changed. That's God's word to us, and it still speaks to us. And it's, his word is forever settled in heaven. And we have to be able to trust what he said is reality. Does it mean we're going to face no issues in our life? No. If you think that's the case, then you really haven't read the scripture well. We have to understand that we do face things in this world. But we have hope. Are you glad? I am glad. Amen. I am glad that we have hope. And we have something to look forward to in Christ. Sometimes people have a hard time accepting a message from others out of skepticism for the truth. It's not totally different from someone saying, uh, stay, uh, saying in the springtime that, uh, you know, there's a tornado coming your way. <laughs> Especially when they've seen it, you know, and it's one of those things. And then what do you do? You got, you got to get in the basement, right? You got to get in the basement. You got to, uh, sometimes we take things with a grain of salt. We have to recognize that we have to be wise. We have to be wise, but we have to be people of faith. That's why we wear these things, right? That's why we wear them. We're trying to be smart. We're trying to be smart about those kind of things. I did, a, I did a wedding here recently, and when I did that wedding, I'm the one officiating the wedding, and I wore a mask for the whole time. You don't normally see me do that up here because I'm at a distance, and I can spit a long ways. <laughs> and since right now Jody's the one on the front row, since we're in the same house, I can spit on her, and it's okay. Sorry, guys. <laughs> No, don't worry. I'm not going to do that intentionally. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble now, and I should, right? <laughs> the last thing that any of us need to do is to let God's message to us just pass through one ear and out the other. We need to allow God's Word to speak into our lives. We need to be people who are willing to get on our knees and pray or sit at our chair and pray and we, and we need to be willing to be people who are also opened to read this, what His Word says. So these new believers accepted the Word of God. So like Paul said, it, it is indeed at work in you who believe. If you expect God to have an impact in your world, then you need to place your faith in His Word. And when you do, He will help you to move toward building a commendable life a life that is worthy of God who calls you into His kingdom and glory. He's called you. He's called you. Everyone, he has called you, and you have to recognize that He loves you, and He wants you to live out a commendable life. As we, as we wrap this up this morning, let me ask you a couple things. Is your goal to please God, or is it to please people? Is it to please God or people? If you please people, I can guarantee you that you're going to be pulled in every direction, right? That's just the way it is. And unfortunately, the way our society has been in the last few years, the, this world will rip you apart. What we must do is choose to put our anchor down in the Lord and in His Word and trust Him and say, we're going to serve you and we're going to follow you. We're going to be smart. But we're going we're gonna to serve Him, and we're going to follow Him, and we're going to put our trust in Him no matter what. If you live a life that's worthy to please God, there, there may be many challenges. But in the end, you will be more than satisfied. In the end, one day, we're going to meet Him. 
We're going to meet him face to face, and we will get to probably, probably be down on our face before him. And we're going to meet him, and we're going to have a wonderful time to worship in his presence directly. That is going to be a good time. So if you don't want to do that, you probably don't want to go to heaven. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, it's a good place to be. And I think we have something to look forward to in Christ. You can live a commendable life, but more than anything, accept the message from Scripture for what it is. It's God's Word. I know a lot of people say this, they say that about it. But when, when, when you do accept it as God's Word, it will change your life and it will change those around you. Would you stand with me this morning? Let me pray for you. We're going to have altar workers here. If you feel comfortable, you'll have to wear a mask. We'll be wearing a mask. And uh, you can come forward if you like to. And then we're, gonna, we're also going to end in this uh, last song. Let me pray with you. Father, we need you more than anything in our world. We recognize that you are the Lord God. And we are going to continue to look to your word. And we're going to continue to be established in your word and in prayer. And we ask you, Father, that you would help us as we look to you, even today, that we would endeavor to be people who please you first and foremost. That means in how we relate to others. Lord, we all have a long ways to go, Father, but how we relate to others. Father, I pray that you help us. Father, I pray that you help us to follow you. And Father God, that we would recognize the fact that you care for us. Help us to run on the path that you called us to run on and to love one another and inspire hope in our communities. In Jesus' name.